0: last week we looked at the wonderful comfort that the gospel brings in Hebrews chapter nine where the writer uh, speaks of Christ having suffered once and for all. Not many times as the Roman Catholic uh, Church uh, says that he gets, they say he gets re-sacrificed every time that they have the mass, but it was uh, just once. And after uh, the service, somebody came up and asked me, well, how do we answer Roman Catholics who say, but Jesus said, this is my body. And if he's not being re-sacrificed, uh, how could his body be present in that, in that way? And that's a good question. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is their go-to passage. And I want to show you hints right in the context that uh, it cannot mean what they, they say uh, that it means. Now look at verse 24 first Corinthians 11 verse 24 and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me now my question is had Christ died yet when he made that statement and the answer is obviously no Paul's quoting Christ when he's still alive And even Roman Catholics admit that Christ could not be eaten, so to speak, before he was crucified. He couldn't be re-sacrificed before he was sacrificed in the first place. So how do they interpret that? They say, well, the is is referring to the future, but Jesus was saying it before he died. So it's obviously, even in the original context, a, a metaphor or a symbol because he had not yet been sacrificed. Take a look at chapter 10 and verses 16 through 17. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So this passage says that we Christians are one bread and one body. Now, even Roman Catholics agree that this is a symbol or a metaphor because um, that does not turn into our body, and uh, we are not, you know, literally part of that bread. So, they say that that's a symbol, but if that is a symbol or a metaphor, why can't Christ's statement that this is my body be a metaphor as well. It's in the same context. I think it's a strong argument in favor of the Reformed view. Now, take a look at chapter 11, verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Now, if we're really to take this literally, then it means that the cup is the new covenant, not the wine. And Roman Catholics will be quick to say that that's actually a symbol of the wine. It stands for the wine, it represents the wine. Uh, It's um, a, a symbolic statement. And so we say, ah, okay, well, if the word is can mean that the cup represents the new covenant, why can't the is in this is my body do the same thing? I, I think they're not being consistent. But Rome insists that the word is, when Jesus said this is my body, means that the blood, uh, the, the bread actually changes into his flesh and the, blood actually, uh, the, the wine actually changes into his blood. And let me quote from the Roman Catholic Council of Trent where they first defined transubstantiation. They said by the consecration of the bread and wine, there takes place a change of the whole substance of the bread into the substance of the body of Christ our Lord, and of the whole substance of the wine into the substance of His blood. This change the Holy Catholic Church has fittingly and properly called transubstantiation. If anyone denies, That in the sacrament of the most holy Eucharist are contained truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ and consequently the whole Christ, but says that he is in it only as in a sign or figure or force, let him be anathema. Now what's weird about that statement is that they were anathematizing most of the church fathers in the uh, the early church whom they claimed to represent. They're they're stepping outside of the Catholic faith or outside of the universal faith. For example, Augustine absolutely denied that Christ's body can be in more than one place at the same time. Now he'd have to be in many places at the same time. His body would have to be omnipresent if he was being eaten in masses all over the world, but Augustine, however you want to pronounce his name, uh, absolutely denied that his body could be in more than one place at the same time, and he said that we would be engaged in the crime of cannibalism if uh, we were literally to take the, the, the phrases like in John chapter 6. Now, uh, let me quote from him. Augustine said, "'Understand spiritually what I said.'" <clears throat> You are not to eat this body which you see, nor to drink that blood which they who will crucify me shall pour forth, although it is needful that this be visibly celebrated, yet it must be spiritually understood. Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, says Christ, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. This seems to enjoin a crime or a vice, it is therefore a figure or symbol, enjoining that we should have a share in the sufferings of our Lord and that we should retain a sweet and profitable memory of the fact that his flesh was wounded and crucified for us. Well, that's Rome's hero, Augustine. And um, uh, he's denying transubstantiation as clearly as any reformed person. And of course, Calvin says, Augustine was reformed in in his teaching. And I could give you quotes from numerous church fathers who say exactly the same thing. And yet, Roman Catholic Council of Trent anathematized views like that. Now, there's another hint in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 26. The very context indicates that the bread remains bread and the wine remains wine even after it is blessed. They say that it changes and it's no longer just bread after they've blessed it and raised the chalice. Well, if you take a look at verse 26, you see they're not eating meat they're not eating blood verse 26 says for as often as you eat this what bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes doesn't say that he dies again or that the bread is no longer bread he says that we proclaim his death but we're still eating bread and wine and by the way he says we're wait- waiting for his physical appearing that's the second coming we're not enjoying his physical presence right now So what did Jesus mean when he said, this is my body? Well, he means exactly the same thing that uh, he meant when he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, The iron or wooden cup didn't change properties when he blessed it. It represents the new covenant in his blood. He means exactly the same thing that John the Baptist uh, meant when he said that Jesus was the lamb or that Paul meant when he said that Jesus was the Passover lamb. Didn't mean that the Passover lamb changed into Christ's flesh or Christ's flesh changed into mutton, right? Um, The word is can mean represents, and thus Jesus is the door, but he doesn't have splinters in him. He is the rock, he is the temple, he is the true vine, he doesn't have leaves growing out of him. It's a metaphor, right? And that language is not at all unusual. If I were to take you home and show you one of the photo albums and uh, show you my uncle and say, Yeah, this is my uncle. This is my father. You're not going to take that literalistically. You're going to realize this picture represents my father, right? It's common language that we use with road signs and other things like that. And if we take Christ's statement in a literalistic way, then we begin to get caught up in the sign and we fail to look to the Christ to whom the sign is pointing. And so there are two extremes that we need to avoid. The first is to think the elements are the reality rather than the sign that is pointing to the reality. Now it's true that the church fathers over and over again called The the elements here, the body and the blood of Christ. I do that. Christ did that. There's no controversy about that. But the church fathers went on and clarified what they meant by that language, and they said it was a symbol, not the real thing. Eusebius of Caesarea said, the wine which was indeed the symbol of his blood. After quoting the words of Institution, he goes on to say, He gave himself the symbols of his divine dispensation to his disciples when he bade them make the likeness of his own body. For since he no more was to take pleasure in bloody sacrifices, he gave them bread to use as the symbol of his body. Now Catholics claim that all of the church fathers were transubstantiationists, but I don't know how you could get a more clear Protestant affirmation than what Eusebius of Caesarea said. Justin Martyr said that the bread and the wine are for a remembrance of his body and a commemoration of his blood. Clement of Alexandria uh, speaks of, quote, wine, the symbol of the sacred blood. Origen speaks of the symbol, which we call the Eucharist. Tertullian said, having taken the bread and given it to his disciples, Jesus made it his own body by saying, this is my body. And Roman Catholics quote that and say, see, transubstantiation. But don't take it out of context. Let me keep reading. Jesus made it his own body by saying, this is my body. That is the symbol of my body. There could not have been a symbol, however, unless there was first a true body. An empty thing or phantom is incapable of a symbol. He likewise, when mentioning the cup and making the new covenant to be sealed in his blood, affirms the reality of his body, for no blood can belong to a body that is not a body of flesh. So he's answering the Gnostics who denied that Jesus Christ had come in a literal body and had literal flesh and literal... Uh, blood and he says well that's ridiculous why would we have a symbol of blood and a symbol of his flesh if he never had any flesh while he was here on the earth Um, so the first extreme that we could go to is to deny that this is a sign or a symbol and instead to claim hey this is the reality this is a literal sacrifice a literal atonement literal immolation literal offering up of Christ's body Uh, What I'm pointing out is that the ancient Catholic faith is the exact opposite of the Roman, Romanist faith. Uh, But the second extreme is to say, hey, because this is a symbol or a sign, nothing happens. That's an extreme as well. This was the view of the Zwinglians. But the ancient fathers and the Reformed teaching is that it is both a sign and a seal a seal is like a credit card it gives us something okay? so it's a means of God's grace in our lives where we actually feed on Christ and for that take a look at chapter 10 and verses 3 through 4 speaking of the Old Testament people Paul says all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ Now, even Rome agrees that the Old Testament saints could not have possibly partaken of Christ's flesh and blood because he had not been incarnated yet. But Paul is very explicit. Their sacramental food and drink was identical to ours. And that means ours can't be transubstantiated because theirs was not transubstantiated. But that same verse indicates that they still drank of Christ just as truly as we drink of Christ. And the solution is they didn't drink carnally. They drank spiritually of Christ. And um, this, too, is the teaching of the early church. The earliest church document that we have is the Didache, a document that probably predates uh, Jerusalem, the fall of Jerusalem. And it gives no hint whatsoever of transubstantiation. Instead, it calls the Lord's table, quote, spiritual food and drink. Athanasius did the same thing, arguing against people who thought the elements were literal flesh and blood. Athanasius said, what he, Jesus, says is not fleshly, but spiritual. For how many would the body suffice for eating that it should become the food for the whole world? But for this reason he made mention of the ascension of the Son of Man into heaven in order that he might draw them away from the bodily notion and that from henceforth they might learn that the aforesaid flesh was heavenly eating from above and spiritual food given by him. Well, that's identical to Kelvin's view. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, let's avoid those two extremes. Let's treat it as a sign that points to a reality in 30 AD, that Jesus' crucifixion was a once and forever dealing with all of our sins. Nothing more is to be paid. And secondly, let's treat it as a seal or a means of grace that actually blesses those who come in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this sacrament that it is indeed a sign of a finished work and with uh, the Gospels we affirm uh, that Jesus paid it all and uh, that all to him we owe and I pray father as we come to this meal we would also come with a realization that your spirit makes Christ spiritually present and that we can spiritually feed upon him And I pray that we would do so, that we would do so not to cursing, but we would do so for blessing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.